Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Sun Scrap Nation's podcast. Your host, as always, Daniel Jonas, here on a nice, cool Thursday morning, August 5th, 2021, Charlotte, North Carolina. It's uh, about 9 o'clock in the morning, so I'm up. I'm ready to do this for you. Get out these breakdowns, because that's what we'll be doing today. We're going to be breaking down UFC 265, Derek Lewis versus Cyril Gone in a heavyweight interim matchup, and then the rest of the card following that, because there's a bunch of cool fights on there, and um, they're, they're fights where, on paper, I'm looking at them, and it's very hard for me to conceptualize and visualize them fighting. Um, I don't usually have trouble with that, but a lot of these fighters this weekend, their styles, they've either not really fought someone of the same... Um, like body type or stylistic matchup. So it, it's kind of, it's going to be interesting to like try to think. It, it's been interesting to try to think about it. It's going to be even more interesting to think about it and break it down for you. And I'll also talk about whatever's going on in the news. But before that, remember, check out SouthernScrapNation.com. This weekend, my buddy Matt Semper is going to be here from Phuket, Thailand. He's going to be, he's a Tiger Muay Thai coach. And he's going to be doing a seminar here at Charlotte Jiu-Jitsu Academy from set and on Saturday and Sunday, um, the 7th and 8th of August. So make sure to come and join us. And we'll also be going to watch UFC 265 somewhere in Charlotte. Uh, we'll talk about it when we're there. And then we'll post it or whatever. Um, mostly because his buddy... And friend coach Rafael Faziv is on the card, and that's who we're going to go see. Um, all right, so breaking down some news. Fedor gets new. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and start with this because this just got uh, announced. Fedor gets an opponent for the Bellator Moscow card. Fedor is doing a comeback fight, <clears throat> relatively. I don't really know if you want to call it a comeback fight. I, he was only gone since COVID and the heavyweight championship. So I don't think he retired or anything. Anyway, he's coming back and he's fighting Tim Johnson. Everyone's not happy about it. They were expecting they were expecting uh Josh Barnett. Uh he has not competed since when he defeated Quentin Rampage Jackson. See? See? It's been a, it's not been that long. December 2019. Yeah, bro, he just stayed at home during COVID. What's wrong with that? All right. Uh, yeah, so Josh Barnett, Alistair Overeem, and Junior Dos Santos. I wonder why they went with him. I wonder why they went with Tim Johnson, to be honest. Us- uh, Usman Nurmagomedov is going to be on the Bellator card. He just won, so quick, quick turnaround. Weird. Uh, it's his second to last fight, so maybe his last fight he'll do something big and cool. Uh, Nico Montagna got cut from the UFC. Fucking good. Finally. Finally, guys. Finally. You list that rap sheet of all her weight misses and all that stuff? Ugh. And you know, I used to have this, like, I used to have this, like, super sympathy for women fighters because sometimes when they do miss weight, they blame time of month. However, I've heard Lorenzenko say it's complete bullshit, so I don't know who to believe. And at this point, everyone's getting treated equally. So if anyone steps on the scale and you're seven pounds overweight, it doesn't matter what's going on. I don't give a shit. You you should get cut. To be honest, seven pounds? That's fucking egregious. Seven pounds. That means you tried, and then you realized you're not going to do it, so then you just gave up. Fuck yeah. Um, Dana White will not. Never force fighters to get vaccinated, which goes into this weird thing that Michael Chandler said he might not fight in New York because New York's mandating vaccines everywhere, 
This isn't a show about that. That's for a show I did a while ago. Might do that again. Um, but the if that's the case, now you're gonna have now you're gonna have this weird thing where MSG might not be in the picture because I can tell you a lot of fighters probably won't get vaccinated. Um, it just means they might miss work. Like it, it, especially when you have a boss that's when you're a free agent and you work for yourself. You know, people are gonna make their own decisions. Um, especially when you're one of the most health, when you're some of the most healthy people in the world. So if that's the case, MSG might even be an issue. And Dana White being a little bit more on the conservative side, will probably see that and make adjustments to that. And I'm sure he's aware. However, and a PR, PR standpoint, hey, Michael Chandler, hey, don't talk about the vaccine stuff. Just, just don't, you know. Just move on. You're a fighter. Please. Please don't talk about that stuff. Uh, I mean, you can talk about whatever you want to. But as far as like on a, if I'm his PR guy, I'm like, hey, shut the fuck up. You're going to lose a lot of fans or potential fans or something. Quit rocking the boat. Talk about fighting. Talk about how you're going to beat Justin Gaethje up. Yeah, everyone wants to hear that. Speaking of violence, Mendez returns from retirement to sign with uh, Bare Knuckle Fighting championship i don't understand that at all um actually i kind of do understand it but i don't understand it maybe because he's getting he's getting money for it here let me break it down for you guys i got this he's getting money for it whereas if you wanted a box he probably wouldn't get any money for it so this is really the ultimate option for him to get money but only box because otherwise if you're going to be a pro you're pretty much paying for someone to fight you unless there's no YouTubers that are his size that want to fight him. So, yeah, I guess be, uh, bare knuckle fighting is your only option. Man, that's, that's fucking tough. I don't know. And it's not like he's not been outstruck before or outboxed. He's definitely been outboxed before. He looks phenomenal. I did see him on Instagram the other day. And when I saw the, when I was seeing the announcements that he made his return, he posted a clip of him doing his training. And for a guy coming back, he does have the hands and the movement, and he looks like a guy that doesn't want to just come back to make money. He looks good. He looks like I thought he was coming. To be honest, I thought he was going to, like, Bellator or something. Or actually, I thought he was, like, coming back for a fight. Um, I was like, oh, shit, Chad Mendes is coming back. But yeah, I guess not. All right, before we get into those guys talking about stuff. Also, before I was even on here, I was watching the hot boxing with uh, Mike Tyson and Henry Cejudo. It's the podcast. I've never listened to one entirely. The only one that I promised or, that I promised myself to listen to entirely or any interview is one with Khabib. Long-form interview. And right off the bat, Khabib saying all the things I uh, fucking knew it, dog. I knew it. He's saying all the things like it's about mentality. You know, even Tyson said it. You have to be the champ before you can become the champ. Khabib knew he was going to become champion, and it goes right into the fucking conversations I've had before. If you were an upcoming fighter and you're going to the UFC... You have to know that whoever is holding that belt at that time, you can beat. And not beat in a hard five-round fight. Or, actually, you can beat anywhere, anytime, at any moment. That person cannot be your idol. He cannot be um, someone you look up to. He can't be... No, he's got to be someone that you think of as a human being and that you know that you can beat. If at any point in your body you, you go... He's really fucking good, man. That guy's uh, not not that he's really good. You can admit that he's good, but if you start to like swoon and fawn over him, maybe the UFC is not for you. When you start to doubt yourself because of how good he is or she is, the UFC is not probably for you, and that's fine. Go to Bellator, get a check, bounce to another thing, get some more checks, collect the checks, save the checks, invest the checks. 
And then with all that exposure and fighting and all this stuff, build a company, get into something else, have another hobby, yada, 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 you know? But it all starts before that. You can't just be a fighter. If you are just a fighter, even UFC fighters, Usman's fighting. I love watching Usman fight. But goddamn, why doesn't he make any money with the pay-per-views? And his next thing's not even a pay-per-view. It's on fucking ESPN. What does he do after uh, out of the? What does he do outside of the octagon that other people know of outside of his community or his circle of friends? Like his circle of friends might be like, "You don't know what he might do. He does everything for us." I don't know that. The rest of the world doesn't know that. We don't know anything about him. We know that he goes in there and he beats up guys that fucking love Trump, and that's cool. Or we beat up guys that. Um, or his training partner in devastating fashion, or he beats up guys that, uh, you know, have way bigger fan base than him. Say what you want about Colby. He's got a way bigger fan base than him. People love that dude. People love Jorge Masvidal. People don't know anything. And it's about knowing who you are and then taking that product and then giving it to people and letting people do what they want with it. People aren't going to, not everyone's going to like you, but people are going to feel something about you. And at least that's something, at least they'll know who you are. And then from there, you can take that onto your other investments and stuff. God damn, fucking Poirier's and hot sauce, hot sauce, guys, hot sauce. And he's making a lot of money off of it. Connor's into whiskey, whiskey guys, and a lot of money's in it. And it's not even good whiskey. That's the point. I mean, Khabib's with Nemirov, but Khabib should have made his own wi- or his own tequila or his own vodka. Eagle vodka. Put eagle on everything. Psh, 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 you know, that's what he can do now. He's got eagle MMA. He's probably the owner of it now, and he can just like slap eagle on everything. That was a, that tangent went off from where I was. So the point is mentality, and that's what Khabib was saying. Is it, it starts with mentality. It's not about how good you are. And he's saying, as an example, his dad would always make him wrestle people. Like, and anyone that walked into his house, and Khabib was saying, anyone that walked in my house that was about my size, I never was nice to them because I knew father was going to make me wrestle them. And that's how you develop... I mean, but the biggest thing that he did say, and Henry Cejudo asked him, he said, did, did your childhood influence who you are today? And he goes, I think it's more than anything, it's the discipline. You wake up, you eat, you train, you repeat. You wake up, you eat, you train, you repeat. That's all easy for a lot of people to be like, well, I do that, and why am I not, Khabib? Because Khabib was doing that in like a war-torn country, and then that's like the next step of it whether he wants to admit it or not, or whether he realizes it or not. Being from that part of the world, also having that much discipline and having someone instill it into you and then having a team and a community, and it's just like the camaraderie in there is tighter than anything that you could fathom and any kind of camaraderie that don't even bring up your fraternities. Your fraternities pale in the comparison to the camaraderie of what's going on. Prison is almost... There. Military, oh, probably there. It's, it's, mo- it's almost, it's like the same, except like military, you're, you're with the people with the guns. They're in the country where they're like, the, 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 the what is it? I guess the ca- uh, collateral, like they're the collateral, like, you know, they don't know what's going to happen. So they have to, they have to be strong together. Because anything bad could happen at any point. And they are strong. And they've come up strong. And they're in the mountains of Russia. The mountains. <sighs> Crazy. So, yes, I think it is a huge part about who he is. Um, at least from the outside looking in. But to him, it's just normal. He's normal. Like uh, Anderson used to say, he's normal. 
Oh, shout out to um, what is her name? The first. I, th- I mean, she's the first African American woman to win a gold for the United States in wrestling. Uh, her Instagram handle is different than her name. Um. David Taylor one. That's cool. Um, Tamira Mensa. That's her name. Congrats to her. Um, she trains with John Jones and stuff a little bit. She trained with him a little bit. Uh, did a deep dive on her Instagram and stuff to see any of her wrestling footage because... I am super interested in um, freestyle wrestling, especially guy, especially people that are into it, but like don't have a that don't get into fighting either. Like they're all about wrestling, and it's like, do you, you ever think about jujitsu? I think it's a little bit of me being a jujitsu guy, starting jujitsu at first, then doing wrestling in high school. So I started jujitsu before I started wrestling. So there was a little bit of me going with all this, like, no-limit kind of grappling. There's no limit to it. You can do whatever. It's to what your creati- your creativity and your imagination can come up with. Obviously, there's to the point of, like, if someone submits you or you lose by points. But there's no – you can do whatever you want. Wrestling, distinct rules. Two shoulder blades hit the back – or hit the mat, pin, over. You can't be that free. Um you have to dominate. You have to be on top always. So for me, it was always like, hey, guys, you do this thing that's so similar to this other thing, and there's a lot more to it. You ever think about doing that? And it was always cool to see these guys were like, nah, I'm really into the wrestling thing. I don't really care about this other stuff. So when you see someone that wins gold with no aspiration like Henry Cejudo, who had the aspiration to become a UFC champion after winning gold, um, it's going to be interesting to see if she, that's something that she's into or if she just is like, no, I'm just going to do wrestling uh, like Jordan Burroughs. I'm just going to do wrestling seminars. And just because Jordan Burroughs lives a phenomenal life as far as being an Olympic um, athlete. I think he's a gold medalist. And not really because with wrestling, it's not – after college, you have the Olympics or nothing else. There's not really anything else. You can get into fighting now, and you can get into and you can get into like pro wrestling, but there's nothing really. So when you see someone go to the Olympics, then there's really nothing. After. Then you can develop, like I was saying, you can market off your name, get sponsorships from like ASIC or whatever. And continue to compete in the Olympics until you can't inevitably compete anymore. But it's not it's not financially lucrative. It is on the outside after you're done with it and you get the sponsorships. But the um, Olympics itself is not lucrative. It's also it's also diminishing popularity. People have problems with it. It's it's losing all social like credibility that it used to have. People really gave a shit about it. People don't give a shit about it anymore. Say what you want. I think it's fucking sad, right? It's like the oldest athletic competition in the known human history, and everyone's like, no, that's fucking gay. That sucks. Who even cares about the Olympics? It's like, fuck you guys. The best athletes in the world are competing to see who's the best athlete in the world at menial tasks that no average person would ever do, but these people get olympically good at, and everyone can just 
scoff it off and be like, well, they don't align with my social, my social, no, or my social identity or whatever. It's like, regardless of what side of the coin you, you are with, you know, how you feel about the Olympics and the IOC and the athletes and everything that's happened up into this Olympics. And it's been mostly just social issues. And it's not even been talking about who leads the, who leads the gold or who leads the medals, which it's China right now, followed by us um, with 28 and then Japan with 22. We got past Japan. So there are moments where it's like, yay, America. Cool. We, we won a gold in something and you see the posts, but it's like, the overall, I hate the Olympics. And it's like, yay, we won something. And it's like, fuck the Olympics. It's like, no, dude, you got to also enjoy the fact that it's a, it's a big deal, man. It should be considered a big deal. I mean, it sucks that it's so, I don't know, I guess corrupt. I don't, I don't even really know. I don't know much about the IOC. But as far as an idea, the Olympics... Athletes from all over the world. In a time where it started in a small part of the world, in Rome, Greece, to now we can expand and see how big, how, who the number one athlete is in literally the entire world. Even if those people from that like little island where they don't want, they don't want anybody to come and deal with them and they kill that one preacher guy. If they wanted to come compete, we'd let them. So... Fuck all these people that are like, fuck the Olympics. Guys are just... Guys just don't understand. Guys just don't understand. Um, so Luke Rockhold is fighting Sean Strickland, which is weird because I thought they trained together, but... <coughs> Whatever. Uh, Luke Rockhold seems like a guy that has like two friends and then everyone else is his enemy. So whatever, right? That'll be cool though. It'll be a good fight. It'll be an interesting fight, probably a hard fight for Luke, but all right. Not the fight that I was expecting for Sean. I was thinking Jack Hermanson. Um, all right. All right. Let's go ahead and break down this card because I'm already 22 minutes in. Giving you guys everything. I'm going off. Going off today. All right. So, SouthernScrapNation.com. All right. So, this card. Let's see. Miles John. Or, this is the prelim prelims. Miles Johns is going against Anderson Dos Santos. If you don't know who Miles Johns is, Johns is. He had an awesome knockout, I think, in his last fight. Where he, like, uppercutted this dude that was trying to long guard. Yeah. And it was cool. So he hits hard, and that's fun to watch. Uh, flyweight, you got headlining it is Manel Manel uh, Manel Camp Cape 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 yeah versus Oday Osborne. Um, Oday just came off of a huge knockout. Yeah, first round, twenty six seconds in. Um, he's got a pretty funny Instagram. And then Manel is from, he's from AKA, uh, AKA Thailand. I didn't have the chance to meet him, and I'm sad. I won't, I, he's very good. Like, he fought in Ryzen. He's a very, like, Jiri Prohashka kind of guy. He's 0-2 in the UFC, but it's, like, it's decisions after where people are like, I uh, could have gone either way. So he's got to have a real George Masvidal moment and find a way to start baptizing people. It's going to be hard at flyweight, but yeah. 0-2, not a good look. That's all that it says. It doesn't say anything about how close the fight was. I guess you could look at the, you could look at the stats. Yeah, it's like 73 to 76. But the two takedowns, one submission attempt, 77. See, his first fight, 77. But then the two takedowns, you know. Well, it shouldn't matter. Shouldn't matter. But judges are good. You can't. It shouldn't be. You can't leave it in your hands of the judges. But that saying's around for a reason. But it shouldn't be a saying. 
Like you should be comfortable in leaving it in the hands of the judges. You should be comfortable in whatever part of however you're done with the fight. You should be comfortable. You shouldn't also still be on edge after a 15 round or a 15 minute fist fight. You know, a logically a long fist fight. Why the fuck would you fight anyone for 15 minutes? I don't know, but that's the way the sport's set up. It doesn't make any sense. Especially 15 minutes in five-minute increments. It's a weird mental game you have to play that doesn't make any sense. Your brain doesn't, your brain doesn't just naturally... As base instinct as fighting is, it doesn't naturally fight in five-minute increments three times in a row and then have someone go... Your winner by someone's decision is this, right? Fighting is usually just an adrenaline burst and then an m- immediate dump. So, you know, you're still riding that adrenaline high after a 15-minute fight. You don't need to be like, is this for, you know, did I, I think I did it. I don't feel like I got the shit kicked out of me. And then when they raise the hand for the other guy, and you're like, I, I feel like I hit him more, though. I feel like I hit him more. But then some dude that I've seen, I've personally seen, not be able to score um, a, a round correctly, go, nah, I think the other guy did it. Yeah. yeah. It shouldn't be a, don't leave it in the hands of the judges. It should be like, you can leave it in the hands of the judges because they got you guys. Don't worry. Take a breather. You just went through hell. Don't worry. You shouldn't also have to worry about where your paychecks come to going to. Or you can be Jorge Masvidal and just baptize people. And then you can get another like 50, 50 grand for it. You know what? I take back everything I just said. Judges keep being terrible. Fighters fucking fight harder, dude. 50 grand's on the line. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, you know what? I'm with the judges on this. Keep being uneducated. It's up to these fighters to fucking put it, put their, kill themselves over it. Um, Carolina, I love, I love how it's like Izzy goes. I'm willing to die in here, and it's like the judges are on the side, leaning back and looking at their guy, going, "Yeah, and I'll take a bottled water." Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, the a little bit less on the gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like. Obviously, they're not drinking. I'm just kidding on that part. But there's a guy in front of them looking at another man in a civilized, quote-unquote, society that we live in going, I'm willing to die in here in front of 40,000 people. I hope you are. And there's some guy judging it, like ordering a drink 10 feet from him, going like, this is getting pretty exciting. This is crazy, right, guys? Um, All right. So, sorry. (laughs) Carolina Kovalkiewicz versus Jessica Penney. Um, it's a comeback for both of them. Uh, I'm going to go Carolina Kovalkiewicz all day, every day on this one. Um, I don't see the upside in Jessica Penney coming back. She is, she, oh, she beat Lupita Goodness. Oh, she got her, she got a win in the last fight. Um, whoa. So she lost in 2017. She came back in, in April. So she was on a long-ass layoff. She gets a win over a 5-1 and one girl. And at the time, how many fights did Lupita? She had one fight in the UFC, and that was her one fight in the UFC. See, this fight was more scored like a fight. Jessica Penne had the total strikes were and significant or total strikes were higher. She scored one takedown. This girl scored the other girl, Lupita, scored three takedowns, but all of her other stats were lower. So it's like, yeah, that's a real fight. You can score takedowns, but if I'm still punching you in the face more. All right, so for me, it's Carolina Kovalkiewicz. She's been getting. I know she hasn't fought since uh, 2000. Oh, it's not been that long since Felder Hooker. But she fought uh Yan Shion Yan Shionan. And uh, I think I nailed that to be honest. Uh fucking high five, Daniel. 
Um, and that's the top contender. So as much as she did lose to her, it's not like she's losing to like five and one girls. And it's not that Jessica Pinay lost to a five and one girl. It's just that clearly they're at two different levels of competition. And I think Carolina training with Ioana and just, you know, sharpening those tools, it's going to make a difference. So Carolina Kovalkiewicz by, I'm going to say TKO. If Ioana could do it, uh, Carolina could do it. Styles don't necessarily make fights. But in this case, Styles make total fights because Caroline embraces the clench. So if Jessica tries to shoot, then she'll clench. And just like just like uh, Joanna, she'll make you pay, but she'll stay in there and make you pay where Joanna will like let you go. And that'll force her to chase, so she'll lose a little bit of the the momentum where she hurt Jessica like from a failed takedown and then she'd give her space and then she'd start teeing off on her in lightning fast combinations. I think Carolina will hurt her in the clunch and then just like keep hurting her in the clunch, keep kneeing her, elbowing her and won't let her create distance. All right, so Alonzo Menafield, so it's going to be up to Jessica Penne to fucking, you know, take her down and keep on top just like Carolina's lost before. Except that Jessica's not like Claudia Gadelia strong. Alonzo Menafield versus Ed Herman. <clears throat> it's all about Alonzo going out there and not getting put out by short fuse. Um, Ed Herman's, he won in his last run against Mike Rodriguez, even though Mike Rodriguez pretty much fucking knocked him out. Um, but dude, Ed Herman's technically on a three-fight win streak right now. And I'm Alonzo Menafield. And against pretty good competition, is on a – he got one fight in. He's got one fight over Fabio Charant. What bothers me about this fight with uh, Alonzo is Ovin St. Prue and Devin Clark. Which is Devin Clark's name? Um, Ovin St. Prue more. Ovin St. Prue being a vet KO'd Alonzo, and I think he just – he weathered that first storm, and I think Ed Herman can do that. I think he can weather that storm, man. And then just put it on him after. And he's a plus 200 favorite. Ed Herman's a dog. Ed Herman's a live dog in this, to be honest. And uh, it wouldn't be too crazy. It wouldn't be too crazy. He's on a three-fight win streak. That's a lot of confidence for, you know, a vet to have. A guy that's not, he's had as many fights as as Ed's had and not been, like, a top 10 guy. It's a lot of confidence to have. Uh, Vince Morales versus Draco Rodriguez. Dog. The name Draco already. He got KO'd by Eamon. So, all right, nice. Hell yeah, Eamon. Vince Morales, Chris Gutierrez. Uh, this is a toss up, to be honest. They both lost by KO in their last fight. Toss up. Pick it. I don't really know too much. It's dead even. And then in the lightweight prelim. Headliner, we got Bobby Green versus Rafael Faziv. Uh, I'm going to put my buddy on Rafael on this one. Um, his striking, the kicks are going to be a problem for Bobby Green, who is boxing predominant. He's just going to kick the shit out of his legs. The angle changes, the power, the speed. And then if Bobby wants to go for takedowns, it's really going to be his only a submission. I mean, the, the, I love Bobby Green. It's fun to watch. A fun personality, but this is a weird fight for him to take. Yeah, where Thiago was, yeah. Yeah, I think Rafael, I don't, I, it's one of those things where it's like Rafael seems like a guy where it's like, oh, I'm just gonna wrestle this guy. This guy doesn't know about wrestling. And I'm, he thinks he can strike. Boy thinks he can strike. Like they think he can strike. It's like, oh, he's not gonna, he's not gonna pull that matrix shit on me. It's like, ooh, you guys just do not know what, like, you just do not know what levels are, cause, cause that's a level. There's a level, 
and you must have not seen you must have not seen past that level your level because there's some fucking levels in striking. There's a there's a video of him and Petr Jan sparring. They are going hard. Hey, little secret for everybody. How hard they spar is how hard they drill. So when you see that sparring thing, and then he gave us combinations to work in class, that's the same speed he wants us to do those combinations. So there's never a time where you're like, I'm guilty to it. Everyone that I train and know is guilty to it. The only people that I know that are not guilty to it are people at that level, like uh, Raphael Faziv and my boy Matt Semper that's coming this weekend. So if you want to learn how to be as good as Raphael Faziv, come, come by this week. You can guarantee it. All right. Um, in the main card, it's starting off with Song Yadong versus Casey Kenny. You know, I was going back and forth with this one. They're pretty much uh, Casey's 30. I didn't realize that. Um, they're new to the Bantamweight division, but they're, like, not new anymore. They've been around for a while. But you still have guys like Dominic Cruz and Cody Garbrandt and, like, guys that fought before. Actually, I don't think Cody fought before the Reebok deal. But Dominic Cruz, TJ Delshaw, people that fought before the Reebok deal. And then you have um, these newer guys, but even these newer guys aren't new anymore. Like, these guys are old compared to Adrian Yanez, even though Song Yudong is 23. But I think Song Yudong, I mean, he's 23, but he's only, he's supposedly a really good jiu-jitsu practitioner. He lost to Kyle Phillips in his last fight. He, quote-unquote, beat Marlon Chito Vera. And I think that Marlon Chito Vera is the fight that I'm going to do as the example, the best for this. I think the forward pressure of Casey Kenny and just being herky-jerky like he is is going to offset Song Yudong. It's going to be real hard to plant in power when you got a guy just constantly walking you down, changing levels. And I think that's going to be the I think that's going to be the other the other level to it is Casey's also going to bring that more tools in his in the toolbox. He's going to throw out takedowns. So I'm going to go Casey Kenny on that one. And I bet God's dead even, baby. Probably a decision, though. Um, Tisha Torres versus Angela Hill. Uh, it's an in-and-out movement battle. It's going to be who's faster at getting to the striking exchanges and who can get out quicker. That's about it. I mean, that's what fighting is at a whole. But Angela Hill doesn't mind standing and banging a little bit to then develop the clench. And then from the clench, she does more work because she's a Muay Thai girl. Tisha Torres doesn't play in the clench. She does rapid combinations, ending with kicks, and then getting out. Starting with a kick, ending with a kick. She's in and out. Or she hits you enough that you go out, and then she ends with kicks. So it's going to be the speed of Tisha Torres versus Angela being able to put her on the back foot and kind of trapping her and keeping her like, not able to just escape and making her pay for every time she comes in. Um, Angela Hill's the underdog. I like my money on Angela Hill when she's the underdog, personally. I understand why Tisha Torres can come out, would look like the favorite, because a decision from her makes a lot of sense. Unless she's got... I don't think so, though. Yeah, she's got no... I'm surprised they've not fought each other. Oh, they did. She beat Tisha back in 2015. I fucking knew it. I knew they fought each other. I was... This whole time. Ah, oh, dude. No, I like, I like Angela Hill in this rematch. What was the striking differential? Yeah, see? Oh, she got some takedowns. Oh, you know what? That would make a lot of sense. It would make sense if Tisha got some takedowns. Her hips are lower than Angela's. I just think Angela's gotten better. 
She's coming off a loss, though. No, she's coming off a win. Michelle Watterson and Claudia she lost to. Oh, well. And my other thing is, now that Tisha's 31, speed does go down with time. All right, and now you have the... I'm going to go with Angela Hill decision. Um, Michael Chiesa versus Vicente Luque. This is a weird fight for me because I don't really picture this one at all. It's dead even, too. And that's going to be the question. Does Vicente Luque adapt to the fact that Michael Chiesa is going to try to wear him like a wet towel, a wet blanket, and just lay on him, ground and pound him? Every time he tries to get up, pick him down, put him down, try to submit him, just constant in his face, grab, don't let him just start brawling in you, uh, at you. Just don't let him even start getting combinations going. Throw one, two, and then immediately start grabbing for a body lock or something and take it to the ground? Or does Vicente Luque work with Gilbert Burns and then everything that Michael Chiesa does is moot? Because it's like, okay, well, if Gilbert Burns can't do this to me, what is Michael Chiesa going to do to me? That's the question. And um, I don't know. It's going to be hard. I, I think Vicente Luque being on that role against Tyron Woodley, beating Tyron Woodley, submitting him. He's on a three-fight win streak. Michael Chiesa's big for the weight class. He's on a three-fight win, or four-fight win streak. It's a tough fight. Whoever wins this, I mean, you're talking, talking about probably title content, contention. All right. Well, in that case, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with my boy Vincente Luque then. Just because he might de- he might deliver a knockout. So that's always exciting to see. Vincente Luque, let's see it. Even though in a grappling sense, the type of grappling that Michael Chiesa. Actually, I'm going to take that back. I'm going to go Michael Chiesa. Because Michael Chiesa was in camp with Juliana Pena for this fight. Two fighters in camp. There's an energy that goes on. And I think that's going to help him have that energy to, like, he wanted to win. And then have his girl win and win the champion. Like, there was just this fight camp energy that I think he has. Oh, God damn. Such a toss-up. Nah, I'm going to go with Vicente Luque. Nah, I'm going to go with Vicente Luque. I'm going to go with him. Yeah. Oh, God. All right, let me, let me go to the co-main event. So the co-main event is Jose Aldo versus Pedro Munoz. Um, I love this fight. They're actually the same fucking age. It's crazy. thought Jose Aldo was older than him. I thought that was going to be a big factor. I thought Pedro Munoz was like this young guy, heavy-handed submission artist. Turns out they're the same age, and actually Pedro's like four days older than him or something like that. I like this fight. I thought this fight needed to happen. I think Jose Aldo beats Pedro Munoz. He's just got way more tools in his toolbox. He's not as old as I thought he is. He's got this fire underneath him. He's coming off of a win to Cheeto Vera, you know, and the only other person, I mean, Petr Jan beat him. And, I mean, he survived that pressure and everything. And I just think that Jose Aldo, if it's not Petr, he's going to find a way. And I think I think he can get his way back to a championship. I think the people that give him the most problems are, like, Aljos um, and guys that are going to be a little bit bigger than he is and, and uh, who was the other one? TJ might give him some trouble. That's really the fight that I want to see is Al- uh, uh, Jose Aldo versus TJ Dolshaw. But which he said he was excited and hopefully he wants to see because he's like, doesn't everyone want to see it? Yes, yes, I do. I do. I do want to see it very much so. But in order to do that, he's going to have to beat Pedro Munoz. If I'm Pedro Munoz, I'm walking Jose down, trying to hit him with big ass rights and put him away. Just hit that uh, big old head of his. And, uh, and anytime he goes down, just 
hit him with a couple shots, let him get back to his feet, put him down again. Just real rinse and repeat Petr Jan style. And it's going to all start with the walking down. But what that also means is you're going to have to be careful with the kicks. No, I almost sneezed. I don't know if Aldo's going to implement the kicks, but those kicks, man, it'll stop those for- that forward movement. But once you can get past it and you can get the timing of them, it's all game. Like, if you can throw them as he throws his, if you can throw the right hand as he throws his rear kick, good on you. Um, all right, so I'm going to go Jose Aldo because I think that's. There it is. All right, I'm going to go Jose Aldo. Um, hold on. Decision. It's going to have to be decision. No one's ever TKO'd this guy. That's going to go decision. Um, all right. So, because it's three rounds also. Um, heavyweight main event. Derek Lewis versus Cyril Gaon in the heavyweight interim championship. Cyril Gaon, new to the scene. I first saw him fight in TKO. And I go, damn, that heavyweight moves really, really well. He's going to be a problem. Cut to now. And I was like, yeah, I was right. Um, being a heavyweight that moves that good, it's going to be a problem for everybody. Uh, I learned recently that in Paris, when that first MMA first started happening competitively, it was illegal to ground strike anyone. So that's where a lot of the submissions come from in his game. I didn't realize that in Paris, that ground and pound was illegal. So he had to, you know, you have to develop a more submission-heavy game if you get someone down. I digress. Derek Lewis, on the other hand, he's had his ups and downs. He's fought for the title before. He is literally the scariest man other than Nganu in that division. The only way to determine if he is, it's a very it's a very boxing heavy. It's a very heavyweight boxing um kind of parallel to be honest. You got like this, you got yeah, you kind of have this like a you kind of have a three like a three-man thing going on right now. And styles make fights. I think Derek Lewis has a better chance of beating Cyril Gaon than Ngannou has a better chance of beating. I think Cyril Gaon has a better chance of beating Ngannou. Ngannou has a better chance of beating Derek Lewis. And Derek Lewis has a better chance of beating Cyril Gaon. Just like Tyson Fury has a better chance of beating Anthony Joshua or... Wait, no. Deontay Wilder has a better chance of beating Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua has a better chance of beating Tyson Fury. And Tyson Fury has a better chance of beating Deontay Wilder, as we've all seen. At least with the last part. Tyson Fury beating Deontay Wilder. Um, I know that first fight's real scary. But there's always that one-punch chance. But when that one punch is taken away from it, you see that the style of trying to swing big, hit hard, doesn't work against the Gypsy King. Because he moves like a butterfly and stings like a big ass, big ass, big ass bee, big, big, big bee. Jabs, his jabs are crosses, so he doesn't need to wind up like Deontay does. This is one of those cases where I think Cyril Gaon, as good as Cyril Gaon is, the experience of Derek Lewis in fighting is going to help him. His coach, Crew Perez, I, I'm a huge fan of Crew Perez. He puts out great stuff. He's a great coach. Um, it's tough. It's what you need. And he's got a killer mustache. Derek Lewis, he says, MMA doesn't work on him. And I completely agree. When you get someone this technical, it's a double-edged sword. It either works terrifically well, or then you go against someone that is so fucking not what you expected and all the technique gets you caught. Start getting caught with your technique. I like the way Cyril Gaon fights. It's very it's very calculated, defense based. When you throw a big shot, he switches stances to take the power off. I just think Derek Lewis is such a fighter that if I'm Derek's 
corner at any point I'm just like taking him down not through double legs but crashing in and just like body lock off the cage kind of takedown and then getting on top and just grounding and pounding for a little bit Derek Lewis hits like a fucking truck and if I can hit you when I'm on top and you're on bottom the gravity that helps coming down it doesn't matter I can hit you one time and then you get up. Okay, you get up, but I hit you one good time and I'm on top. You best bet when I when we get up that you're going to be a little, oh, geez. You're going to be a little wobbled. So as much as Cyril Gaon can go for takedowns, I think all the areas that Cyril Gaon's really good at, you go, oh, but Derek Lewis has got that one thing. Der- oh, Cyril Gaon's really good at leg locks? Try leg locking him and not take a punch to the fucking face and then go, I'm, I'm letting that go. Oh, he can move around real well, in and out movements. Volkov had a real good time with that. Then then what happened? He just needs one. Everyone's got their game plan. Everyone's very good until they're not. And I, I think that's where the money is best put on, in, especially in MMA. In boxing, it's a, little bit, it's a little bit easier to bet on the technical person because of the glove sizing, the 10, or counting up to 10, right? But in MMA, when it just takes one and then you're down on the ground and then you have Derek Lewis just throwing these concrete gloves at you, you know, these concrete hands, and Herb Dean's like, I'm going to see one of those. Because he's not going to make the same mistake that he did with Curtis Blades, and then we hear in the background, oh, oh. Yeah, we don't want that anymore. That, that was a, that's, that's nightmarish. It's a pay-per-view. We're not going to have that. So, um... I just think where Cyril Gaon, who is the favorite, it benefits you to put money on the underdog, especially when the underdog hits so fucking hard. Money's on the Black Beast, baby. Houston all day. And it's in Houston. He's never lost in Houston. He's not going to lose in Houston. It's that kind of mentality. I'm not going to lose in Houston. At first, to be honest, when I first thought about this fight, I was like, well, he's lost to more technical strikers. Junior Dos Santos. Um, Mark Hunt. But these are all fights that he, like, the mental game. Like, he, I feel like he's at the top of the mental ladder. He beat Nganu. Technically, that guy's supposed to be more, you know, technical and hits harder, da-da-da-da-da. You know, I don't know about technical, but he, you know, he's not as wild, I guess, with his striking. And he beat, he won, he won on that. And the bonus of fighting someone who's so calculated is you can make him paralysis by analysis. If you hit hard enough, you can just make them fucking freeze. And I think that's what we're going to get. I think we're going to get Derek Lewis making him guess and then just get the classic Black Beast bomb. All right. Well, that's all I got for you guys. Um, It was a long episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And I hope you guys enjoy the fights this weekend. Um, I hope you guys stay safe. And if you guys need anything else, sunscrapnation.com. Remember, seminar this weekend, 7th and 8th of August, 12.30 or 2.30 on Saturday and 12 o'clock on Sunday. Other than that, I hope you have a good weekend. Enjoy the fights. Until then, stay safe. Peace.